The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at WYNNBet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Just head on over to GetRoman.com slash SGP for $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash SGP. And we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is home to the best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win a million dollars. That's right, a million dollars. Sign up now at UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And finally, we're also brought to you by Odds Jam. Odds Jam is the betting tool every sharp better needs, bringing you the latest prices and presenting the best betting opportunities. Dominate the marketplace with Odds Jam. Use promo code SGP and get 5% off sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash oddsjam. Hello, my little degenerate boys and girls. We're going to keep pretending that females actually listen to the podcast, even though we really don't have any proof that they do, other than mothers of ours. Uh, Welcome, whoever you are, whatever gender you are, whoever you want to identify. uh, Thank you for coming to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. This would be episode 39. Who uh, who am I going to dedicate this one to? Not a whole lot of choices for 39. I'm going to go with the Detroit Pistons' Jeremy Grant, who I think I interviewed for Slam Magazine years ago. I interviewed one of the brothers, one of the Grant brothers. I think it was him. And, you know, he is the son of Harvey Grant, brother of, I guess that would make him nephew of Horace Grant. So, anyhow, and this one goes up to Jeremy Grant. So, um, I'm Jeff Fox, your host. Hi. Thanks thanks for coming once again um, to the greatest podcast in the history of podcasts. Uh, hopefully, you're listening to us on our MMA Gambling Podcast feed. Numbers keep going up there, so thank you for everyone for subscribing there. And if you are have not subscribed and you're listening to us on the Sports Gambling Podcast main feed, uh, please switch over and make sure you subscribe to the uh, dedicated feed just for our podcast for all your degenerate goodness. And there's, like I've said before, there's nothing more scummy and degenerate than betting on people beating each other up and who's going to beat the other one up most. And every week we seem to have a broken arm or a broken leg so it's it's fun times so um you may also know me from such places as sportsgamblingpodcast.com the website i write and edit on there i also run the mma website mma-manifesto.com uh, you should pop over there and at the very least enter our picking contest for this uh event coming up uh this saturday uh, our good overlords at sports gambling podcast are actually sponsoring the contest this week, giving away a $50 gift card to anywhere in the world where that you would like. So make sure you pop over there, check out the goodness um, and whatnot. Uh, you didn't miss here. You did hear someone uh, chuckling earlier, which is what basically he's on the show to do, laugh at the jokes, um, be the brunt of some of the jokes. But um, sometimes I'm nice, sometimes I'm not. We'll, we'll see what I'm like today. Um, this man is also – a host of the Top Turtle MMA podcast and the Prelim Picker podcast, which I hear is going to be a must listen to this week because his savvy co-host on it is 
um, super, super smart, and he's going to really upstage the, the main host, and he may even embarrass him on his own podcast. We'll see if he's behaved or, or not. Um, I just know he's a really super cool guy. Um, what else can I tell you about this man? Um, I think he probably gets nervous at the start of every podcast because he never knows where this introduction is going to go. I don't even know where it's going to go. I don't really plan these things in advance. Sometimes I, you know, say, say some things I may not, um, may not, uh, sh- may not share. May not, is that English? What I'm trying to say? Sometimes I th- say things I shouldn't say. And I'm, uh, I may dox him. I may tell you what he really is like off the air and what, you know, what he does for a living, where he lives and all this stuff. But, um, what tidbit can I give you this week? Oh, I know what I can tell you this week about him. Other than him being the king of the Gogo Plata, um, self-proclaimed, um, he is such, uh, I think the kids call it a stan. He's such a stan for me that he named his youngest child the same name as my youngest child, his name. So that's re- really, that's creepy stuff. But anyhow, um, Daniel Gummy Reeland is his name, and he can stop being nervous because I'm done introducing him now. You know, I, I kind of wish uh, we could get uh, some super fan out there. If you exist, super fan, could you, super please, fan. Could you please chart out a quick graph of uh, of how long the introductions are by episode, because I'm pretty sure I get an extra five to six seconds every single episode, and it just it just incrementally growing up every single time. Yes. Well, that's my one. That's basically my the one time where I'm at uh, peace, and it's just me, and it's not you butting in with all your insightful comments and all the research you've done. It's just me rambling on. So, I kind of like the. Um, the calmness of the uh, of the introductions before you, you come in and take over with with your big brain of yours. Do Do you think if if this continues on, we can just have an episode where you only introduce me? Like I'd be I, fine with that. I mean, we probably need to fit the ad reads in and whatnot, but like it, it yeah. might get to that point at this rate. Intro and the ad reads, and then we're good. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got there's no UFC coming up next <laughs> week, so. We're going to have two shows where we're going to need content, so there you go. That's a very good idea. It could just be me um, giving and taking away um, compliments to Daniel um, on the on the show. But enough nonsense. Uh, we got work to do here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'll keep saying ladies because I'm sure there's got to be at least one or two that aren't our mothers listening, right? There's got to be. I, I assume there is, yeah. Okay, good. Um, this weekend we are talking about – UFC Fight Night Font versus Garbrandt, aka here comes the AKAs. This is almost as long as the intro. AKA UFC Fight Night 188, aka UFC on ESPN Plus 46, aka UFC Vegas 27. Do you have anything else you like to call it, Dan? Sometimes you have uh, good nicknames. No, no the things. Vegas ones tend to be the ones I use. UFC yeah. Vegas 27 is is my go-to. Yes, yes. The other ones are far too long. So, um, it's actually a good fight card, really. Um. I break. Uh, you can check out the whole fight card and fighter rankings and scouting reports and all that stuff over on MMA-Manifesto.com. That's the second plug, I think, so far. We're only a few minutes in. Um, so if you want to check over there, you'll see um, the whole fight card there. But yeah, I rank the fight cards based on the strength of of the fighters on paper, and this one ranked well above average, which kind of surprised me. But it's it's a sneaky good card, actually. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And, and it's not just sneaky good in terms of who's on it, but it's also sneaky good in terms of really weird style matchups that are kind of hard to peg. Yes, this is 
that basically other uh, our pre-production this week, other than hammering down a time where we actually were going to record, was uh, talking about how difficult this card is to is to handicap. It's um, it's yeah, it, it's a tough one. It's not like like I had said. Also, it's not basically due to not knowing fighters. Um, Dan knows everyone always. Uh, I know 99% of the people, but that's it's just hard to peg a winner in a lot of these fights, and the odds don't always aren't always what I expected too. So anyhow, um, enough uh, fiddle faddling and tiptoeing around. Let's get right down to it. first. Let me tell you about our first friend. I should tell you about WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com. Download the app today. I'm sure they've got a lot of good NBA playoff odds on there now. Um, I will be doing NBA playoff preview articles on Sports Gambling Podcast coming out in a couple of days, uh, once the actual real live playoffs start this weekend. All right, um, let's talk about some fist cuffs. That's what you're all here to hear about. So, as I said, UFC Fight Night versus Garrant is the event in question May 22nd, which would be this Saturday, back at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. So they're back behind closed doors. Um, no paying audience, I'm sure Dana White will have some of his cronies there, but um, and back to the small cage. Did you notice how huge the cage looked last week, Dan? Uh, the, the main, like, the, they were using the big cage again because they were on the road for UFC 262. It looked huge to me. Yeah, it, it looked really, the, the time I noticed it looked really big was as uh, Charles Oliveira was walking down Michael Chandler after stinging him. I was like, he yeah. seems like he's got like a whole different zip code that he can run off to. Yeah, I never really pay much attention to the size of the cage, but yeah, it really seen so many events in a row in the small cage in the apex. It really, really stood out. Um, so that, that's something to keep in mind uh, when you're betting this card, this is a smaller cage. So if you, um, if, if there's a certain fighter you think uh, works better in distance or works better fighting out of a phone booth, then this uh, something you got to keep in mind with the cage. So, and this event is on ESPN Plus. The prelims 4 p.m. Eastern. The main card 7 p.m. Eastern. And they're kicking things off with a lightweight belt between Rafael Alves, which is basically like a, a mix and match uh, Brazilian uh, fighter name, basically Rafael and Alves, so the first and the last name. You could uh, mix and match that with, with many different people, and that's uh, that's a Brazilian fighter for you. He's fighting Demir Isma Ismagulov um, this coming week. Is there something funny, Dan? No, I, I just love uh, the breaks you need in the middle of saying Ismagulov. Eastern Europe's name. You basically it sounds like they all have hyphens in them. <laughs> it's true. Isma Gulov. All right. Um, Alves, nineteen and nine, seven knockouts, seven submissions. So he is a very well-rounded fellow. Um, let me see. Of his loss, this is of note. All of his losses have come via stoppage. Three knockouts and six submissions. You, I don't remember ever breaking down a person like that who has that many losses, and all of them are are via an actual stoppage. That's very rare. Um, this will be his UFC debut. He got into the big show off the Dana White Contender Series, which he won his fight there. He's won five straight fights. He's a plus 410 dog if you want to go against our advice and go for a massive dog, which we've told you in the past not to do, then there you go. Um, is ma gu love <laughs> comma Demir, 19-1, and one. nine knockouts, one submission. He's never been finished. He's got one decision loss on his record. 
three and zero in the UFC. Um, however, he's not fought since August of 2019. Do you know why? This isn't a, a quiz. I I couldn't find out why he's been gone so long. Do you know? No, I I, I know injuries were part of it. Uh, I think some of it also was getting a visa to get in the right. country, especially once coronavirus happened. Because um, you know, like I know a couple of the Russian guys didn't have all that much trouble, but he uh is not Russia, if I'm mistaken. Despite the fact he is sometimes trains out of Russia, but I think he's Uzbek, right. I, I'm not mistaken. So, like, uh, you know, like, I think being in Russia is already a visa situation for him. So uh, getting to the United States to from Uzbekistan via uh, Russia is not an easy one. So I think some visa stuff, some injury stuff, um, there was a lot of people talking about, like, where the hell did he go? So I, I don't wasn't super common knowledge either. Well, Dan's um, answer was full of crap because he is Russian. So you can uh, disregard everything Dan just said. He is from Russia, it's Orenburg, Russia. So, but I'm sure I'm sure you're right about the visa. That, that um, you're, you're thinking of someone else who's what you call him Uzbek. Someone else is an Uzbek. I think he's from I think he's from Uzbekistan. Uh, give me a well, second on this. I'm gonna put oh, the intern on it. <laughs> Wikipedia, which says he is from Orenburg, but do do you think our people really care, Dan? They don't. No, they don't. But now I'm going to feel you like gotta I need, it up, I, right. Yeah, now I'm going to need You look to. it up. I'm going to break him down some more. All right. I'll call Dan out. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, he uh, he was 10-1 and one in M1, which is the big – it's basically a global promotion uh, that runs out of out of Russia. Um, pretty well-respected promotion. So he was 10-1 and one there. He was also their lightweight champion. He is an inch taller than Alves and has two inches reach. Um, he has the striking – and grappling stats in his favor, and he's the more active striker of the two, but uh, just keep note that Alves has only fought once inside um, a UFC cage that was on the Contender Series. And Ismagulov is minus 600. Um, I'll take him, even though we'll make no money off it. I will take him at minus 600. So I'm going to start by saying Demir Ismagulov, I was wrong, is not Uzbek, but both of his parents are Kazakh. Uh, There's some Kazakhstan. <laughs> Uh, he was born in Russia. You were right about that. But if you look him up on, uh, he, like, he carries a, a Kazakhstani flag into the cage with him. Right. So I wasn't crazy. He's not Russian, although he is Russian. Maybe so, yeah, I'm a- do, sorry, interrupt. Maybe we got two episodes coming up where we need topics. Maybe you can break down the whole uh, Eastern European political the, the Soviet um, bloc. climate and yeah and, and where everything's broken up into and all the dif- different ethnicities and, and religions and stuff like that. That I don't good? think that I don't think that would be entertaining for anybody at all. But <laughs> okay. I am going to tell you, uh, you probably also won't be entertained by watching Demir Ismagulov because he's like, he's your prototypical Eastern European fighter in that like he is suffocating, he has really good top control, and uh, he's just going to use that to beat a guy who's got crazy good knockout power and isn't going to get a chance to use it. I mean, like go go back and look at his three wins in the UFC. Granted, they are some time ago before he had his big long layoffs. But he beat Joel Alvarez, who who is pretty nasty with his submissions, and he did it just pretty much by grinding him out. You could say the same thing about his fight with Tiago Moises. Like, uh, in beating Tiago Moises, I mean, in retrospect, that's such a good win. And, yeah. and so for me, like, uh, yeah, you're right. If you look at this fight, Rafael Alves is clearly the guy who looks like he's got more finishing ability. But, like, Ismagulov controls where the fight is. He puts you up against the cage. Even when he didn't get takedowns, like, because he he wasn't super successful against Moises, he did chain him together enough to, like, put Moises up against the fence and then, like, score the majority of the strikes there. And, you know, he can control where the fight's going to go. So, ultimately, I think that that's going to be enough here uh, to beat Alves. 
Is minus 600 a fair number, you think? I think it's probably a tad inflated because of the layoff. Like, I, I don't love picking anybody at that number, period, first of all. Yeah. But also, I don't like anybody with that kind of layoff um, at a number like that. I, I would feel much more comfortable down in, like, the 350 to 400s, which, you know, granted, is not a huge difference from 600, but it, it's enough of a difference where 600 is almost, like, I don't even want to hashtag throw him in a parlay at that number. Oh, we haven't said that for a long time. That's, that's an oldie. <laughs> that's an oldie for, for our longtime listeners. And just a reminder that uh, fighters who have been out of the cage for at least a year are now 31-28. It's gotten even higher since last uh, last fight. So it, they're continuing to um, to go against common um, common thought on that. All right, um, let's go with uh, more lightweights. How about we go with another Demir, uh, Demir Hadzovic versus Yancy Medeiros. Um, let's go with Medeiros first. Uh, he's 15-7 with one no contest. Eight knockouts, four submissions. Four of his losses have come via knockout. Uh, he's six and seven with one no contest in the UFC. Uh, that's due to him losing three straight fights. That uh, took a big, big hit to his record there. Um, in in that three fight losing skit, he's been TKO'd in two of them. The last fight was a decision loss, and the two before were both TKOs. Uh, he's not fought since last February, February 2020. We're talking uh, before the UFC. He was two and zero in strike force. He's an inch taller. Five inches of reach, one year younger than Hadzovic. He is a more active striker of the two, more active landing strikes, uh, not necessarily throwing them. As for Hadzovic, 13-6, seven knockouts, three submissions. He's 3-4 and four in the UFC. So this could be a loser-leaves-town match, really. Um, he's he's on a two-fight losing skid. So some guy's going to end up on either a three-fight or a four-fight losing skid, which is not good when the UFC seems to be uh, hell-bent on, on cutting a bunch of fighters at this point. Um, he has also been out of the cage since March, uh, over a year, March of 2020 for him. Uh, striking stats are in his favor. He's at minus 120. Are we going with Demir again here? Back to back Demirs? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to double down on the Demirs. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Hadzovic too. Um, look, I actually think Hadzovic is a lot better than his record shows. Um, if you look at his fights, the, the fights he's lost largely have just been to superior grapplers and guys who are damn good grapplers, too. You know, we just saw Christos Iagos come off that great finish of Sean Soriano where he, he hit an anaconda choke, put Soriano out cold. You know, we know he's a great grappler. We, we saw Hanato Moicano just kind of serve Demir Hadzovic up on a platter with a quick rear naked choke and then, you know, basically yelling in his face for not letting him fight longer. Um, Alan Patrick outgrappled him, who's a big, strong grappler type. But the guys who go in there and strike with Demir Hadzovic don't have very much luck. Um, and even Hadzovic can mix in the takedowns on them. So while his takedowns ba- de- defense and submission defense is bad against good grapplers, he, he seems to actually have the advantage over other guys who, who want to get in there and slug it out with him. So I, I think that's Yancey Medeiros' style, right? Like Medeiros wants to slug it out. Lately, he hasn't even really been able to pull the trigger. He's just kind of gone in there and and kind of point-fighted and lost those fights. So even if he comes out with, like, a lot of fury, I actually think that fight kind of kind of leans to Hadzovic in both that he'll be able to mix up his his approaches, and in addition to that, he's probably got the better KO power there. Yeah, his other UFC loss, uh, him being uh, Hadzovic, was, what, Merbeck Tysimov? So, yeah, it's, it's all... It's all um, grapplers that are beating him, and that is not uh, Yancey Medeiros. He's more of the just bleed uh type of fighter so good a good a matchup for uh Hatsubik. i'm keeping him also so we're, we're back to back on demir's uh this weekend let's go 
What weight class should we go to next? Let's go down a weight class to featherweight. Josh Koulibaly versus Shaw Yailan. Who do you know what his real name is, Dan? Oh man, this is another one. That's their, their real <laughs> name is not their real name. His first oh, name oh. is his first name is Shaw Yailan, but he just goes by Shaw Space Yailan now. So they're taking his first name and breaking it into two. Making it two or, because or Yailan Shaw, depending. Yeah, because because we don't like to do things the right way. <laughs> yeah, and the last name is Noor Dan Biki. I believe you can call wow. him Wolverine. You can call him Wolverine, which uh, I would prefer to call him. We'll call him Wolverine. Um, so the Wolverine. Um, hopefully, Dan can shed some light on him after I do the breakdown here. He's fought exclusively on the Chinese regional scene, which means Dan probably knows a lot about him. Surprisingly, um, seventeen to six, seven knockouts, five submissions. So he's a he's a finisher at least in that scene. Uh, Fervis has come via submission. However, he's not fighting a guy who submits people, so he's good there. Uh, he's on two fight win streak. Plus 200, uh, is, I believe at least his last five fights were at lightweight. He's dropped down to featherweight for this one. This will be his UFC debut. Um, Josh Kulibao, 8-1-1 one one with five knockouts. He lost his last fight via knockout, so that was his first career loss. He's still looking for his first UFC win. He's 0-1-1. One one. Um, actually, I'm sorry, he um, he drew in his last fight Um and his, his other loss was a knockout before that. Um, he's two inches taller. Uh, he's at minus 260. Um, I'll take him unless Dan has a really good intel on this original Chinese fighter, which I have no no uh, no knowledge of. I, I think I have some pretty good insight here, but I don't think it's going to make you feel any better about the potential of picking him because, you know, he's coming out of WLF, which I actually think is right. a pretty good promotion over there in China. But we just saw three people debut uh, and not look particularly good doing so, uh, including Zhu Rong, who uh, actually has a win over Sha uh, Yulan. So, um, you know, we just watched him get beat in his debut and, and look pretty terrible doing it. So, uh, yeah, like I, I actually think Sha Yulan is not going to have an easy time with Cole about. If, if you watch any highlights of him, the thing you'll notice is he does swing big, which is probably why he's got a bunch of KOs and, uh, you know, he's able to get the guys down and, and get in their face all the time. But, like, the, uh, when he swings, they're so wild. Like, his his strikes do not come back to his face. They loop. And, and if you, you, you've you watched either of those Josh Kulabau fights, and, and granted, you know, you're right. He hasn't come away with the win yet. But he did go in there and last almost two full rounds with Jaywin Turner, who's a beast. And he went in there and fought Charles Jourdain, who's a savage. Uh, All right. Yeah, well, ding, ding, ding. yeah, might as well use those terms. Uh, thanks, Joe Rogan. Um like he went in there with Charles Jordan and, and struck with him and, and got a split decision draw. So like cool about striking can hang in there with just about anybody. He even wound up on top of Jordan for a little while. I think against a guy who throws kind of wildly and, and isn't all that composed in what he does. I actually think Josh Kulabau will have a pretty easy time with him. All right. I agree. So we're going to Demir's and the Josh. Uh, to start things off and let's let's go with the roman now um look no one's perfect even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded the best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line so if you feel like you come out short in the bedroom sometimes it's perfectly okay but if it's bothering you there are options go to getroman.com slash sgp now with roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate it ships to free with two-day shipping whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to get, to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now to get $15 off your first month. 
Look, it's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash SGP. Get started now and save 15 bucks on your first month of treatment. Don't be a Gumby is basically what I'm saying. Don't, don't be a right? Don't be a Gumby. <laughs> don't be a Gumby, everyone. All right. Um, we're putting the windows open. Hopefully the neighbors enjoy my uh, ED ad read, <laughs> which I'm, I'm sure – Hopefully someone's going for a walk and like, what are they doing in that <laughs> household? All right, uh, we did featherweights. Let's go down. To, let's go to the lowest. Oh, uh, one last thing on uh, Shaw Yilan. I noticed he lost to someone named Allison. So if you can't beat a girl, I'm definitely not taking him to beat a guy in the UFC. <laughs> there we go. There's a the horrible in, that's joke. The in, that's the insight you guys came here for, right? <laughs> exactly. You came for that kind of insight. All right, I bet I bet 99 percent of our listeners did not know that fact, though. So there you go. Uh, flyweights, Bruno Gustavo da Silva. You can just call him Bruno Silva, even though there's another Bruno Silva in the UFC, and I think there's a billion others that are in MMA. But he is fighting a flyweight bout against Victor Rodriguez. Um, let's tell you about Rodriguez. He's 5-3. and three. All five of his wins have come via knockout, which is insane uh, for a flyweight. That's that's some crazy finishing power. He's 0-1 in the UFC. I don't remember. Who did he, he fight? He I don't even remember Adrian seeing Adrian Yanez and got just absolutely pieced up in like 45 seconds. Hmm. I, I have no knowledge of this of this fellow. Um, he is an inch taller than Silva, two inches reach, two years younger, plus 260 is where you can get him. As for this Bruno Silva, the flyweight one, he's 11-5-2 with one no contest. He's got four knockouts, three submissions. He's taking this fight on short notice. Um, short, I'll throw that stat for you since I got it here. Short notice or late replacement fighters. I deem people who have taken a fight on uh, less than a month notice are 34-60 and 60 in the past year and a half, so 36%. So. It seems to be a detriment uh, to take fights on short notice. Um, anyhow, he's one and two in the UFC with one no contest. He got his first win last fight, TKO win. Uh, he's got both striking stats in his favor. He's um, so basically all around better striking stats. Plus, he's uh, he lands more strikes than Rodriguez. Grappling stats also in his favor, minus three fifty. I'm gonna be boring and go with another chalky chalk. Yeah, I'm gonna here. stick with you with the chalk uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, one of my first problems with uh with Victor Rodriguez is he's a guy who comes out of Alaska FC which ultimately not to be mean to people who came out of Alaska FC one of the worst regional promotions out there in terms of how we've seen people perform in the UFC um you know if you just draw a line of all the guys who who we saw up there you'll find a rare diamond in the rough who, who wound up doing something pretty good but most of them wind up being uh, fairly to moderately underwhelming. And in addition to that, he's coming down from Bantamweight to Flyweight, which, uh, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the, the people who, who take a step down unless they do it really the right way. And, uh, man, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that this guy is is clearly a Flyweight and should have been here the whole time. On top of all that, he's fighting the worst possible style for somebody who's cutting a lot of weight again. Bruno Silva, whether or not he gets a lot of takedowns, goes for a ton of takedowns. Um, you know, he, he did lose to David Dvorak, who, who is a, a, I think he's a top 10 flyweight right now. But he did score three takedowns yeah. on like 850 attempts, I'm pretty sure. Um, and, and granted, that that's not a great success rate, but that pressing, long, heavy, daunting style is just going to be a nightmare for a guy cutting down to a weight class I'm not even positive he can make. So... Uh, yeah, I, I like Bruno Silva in this fight, but more because I, I'm kind of fading Victor Rodriguez more than I'm really loving Bruno Silva. 
So what I heard and all that is Dan hates Alaskans and thinks they're fat. Is that <laughs> no, that's, correct? That's true. Is that what I heard? Some of the, you, you know, you know me. Some of the fighters that I go to that for more than any other on the planet actually are Alaskan. Who, who, which woman do I say has deserved a title shot uh, for far longer? Who, yes, who, who, who have I said that about? Take that if you got get your bingo cards out. It Lauren, Lauren Murphy, Murphy, that's right. And Lauren Murphy, Lauren Murphy is from Alaska, <laughs> so yeah, I I don't just shit on Alaska. That's that's not my style, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Alaska FC does not turn out the best prospects. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fading Alaska mostly on this one. It's that's really not surprising. Like it's a pretty um, remote place to say the least. It's not like I'm sure they're not getting a whole bunch of uh, fighters traveling in to fight for them. So. Um, Plus, uh, there's always a chance that the other Bruno Silva in the UFC, who's I think middleweight or light heavyweight, maybe they could do, maybe they'll do a swap and he'll actually fight instead of this Bruno Silva, and then I think he's going to crush. Yeah, it's going to be a big size disparity. (laughs) (laughs) Eighty pound size disparity. All right, let's um, let's go to. I'm trying to cause uh, controversy, but Dan um, put out that fire, so we'll 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 keep moving on, and hopefully I can I can catch him eventually. Uh, Walter Waits, because I need a uh, subtitle for for the podcast. I come up with subtitles every week, so I don't have one yet. So Fate Alaska works. Fate Alaska. Fate Alaska. Okay, that's true. That that might work. All right, Walter Waits, Kurt McGee. He's still around. Um, he's fighting Claudio Silva in a Walter Waits battle. Um, McGee is nineteen and ten, five knockouts, five submissions, eight and nine in the UFC. He's lost three straight, and he's only won one of his last six. He is was the tough eleven champion way back. I don't even remember when, a long time ago. Um, he was three and one in the house, and then he ended up winning the championship. He's got four inches of reach. Two years, he's two years younger than Silva. He is more active strikers at minus one hundred. Quick quiz: When was tough eleven, tough Dan? 11 Go! Don't look it up. Been, uh, it had to have been twenty two thousand and nine, two thousand ten. That which two, one? Answer, hurry. All right, let's see. Dan's like a savant here. Uh, ah, 10, June 2010. Yeah, I, do, I only know that because, uh, I watched uh, the Ultimate Fighter 10 religiously when I was in college because that was the heavyweights one, so I knew 11 came after that. Yeah, right. Yep, the Kimbo yeah, one. That was a fun the, one. You mean right, the Roy um, Nelson one. If we're going to talk about Chuck uh, sure. and, and, and God bless, that's true. RIP Kimbo Slice, but if, if we're going to talk about a, yes. a chunky guy tough – uh, you better talk about the chunkiest of the chunky. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, uh, Claudio Silva. Don't want to uh, fade him here. Let, let me give him his his due here. He's fourteen and two, two knockouts, nine submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's five and one in the UFC. He started off five and zero oh and then lost his last fight. Grappling stats in his favor. He's a slight favorite at minus one fifteen. Um, and he's got my vote here. I'll, I'll take him at a slight favorite. Yeah, I'm going to take McGee. him as a slight favorite against Court McGee here too. I, I think people forget. Granted, you know, you said, man, you know, Court McGee's been in the UFC forever. Like, so has so, so has Claudio Silva, though. Claudio Silva's been in there. I know, yeah, it's he's surprising. He's only 5-1, and one, but he's, he's older. he got into the UFC in 20— He's older than Court McGee. he got into the McGee. UFC in 2014. So, like, yeah, he has had six yeah. fights, but that's the six fights are over seven years. There was one point where he had a three-and-a-half-year yeah. layoff. But that was after beating Leon Edwards. Like, I, I know it's crazy, and you can't use a six-year, now seven-year uh, old loss against Leon Edwards. But, like, Claudio Silva's got some skills, and, and he did that largely in the way 
that I expect him to be able to beat Court McGee here, right? Like, Court McGee, bruiser, weighs on you, kind of just a grinder. And, like, he's not going to outgrind Claudia Silva, who's, you know, done that to Danny Roberts and submitted him. He, he did that to Nordine Taleb, who's pretty beastly. Like, and, like, you know, I said, it's seven years old now, but he, he grinded out Leon Edwards, and I just don't think – he's the right kind of opponent for Court McGee. You know, I said Court McGee should have gone out there and just used that, like, really dawn style against Carlos Condit, and it didn't work out because he never even tried it. Um, but even if he tries I, it here, I don't think it works. No. Um, would you – I don't think I would even recognize Claudio Silva in, in a lineup of fighters. He's been around for that long, and I still, like, I, I looked up his picture, and like, I guess I remember that guy. Yeah, it's um, it's a shame that we haven't seen more of him, so – uh, you mentioned Beast, and we got someone yeah. named Beast Boy coming up in the next fight, and I think he's a, I think he's a favorite of Dan's. And he's a very my records, guy. <laughs> yes, yeah, according to my records, both these guys in the next fight are chunky guys. Uh, the Beast Boy in question would be Chris Barnett, who I believe is five nine, and I've seen him listed in the past at two eighty seven. I've seen which him over three hundred yeah, before. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is our this is Dan's type of guy right here. This is a chunky guy. Um, he's 21 and six as a pro. He's got 16 knockout wins, so that's another reason to, to be a fan of his. Uh, half of his losses have come via KO, um, which isn't really that that uh, huge deal when you're fighting at heavy and you're only five foot nine. Um, this will be his UFC debut, and this will be on short notice. He's won six straight fights heading into here. The only really big um, promotion experience he has, unless Dan's going to correct me, is he fought once in Ryzen where he lost. Um, he's five years younger than Ben Rothwell. I'm not sure if I even mentioned he's fighting Ben Rothwell, but that's who he's fighting, Ben Rothwell. And um, according to my guiding report here, he, it says chunky, so I believe that will make him a chunky guy. Uh, he's also a chunky underdog, plus 240. Uh, my first slick segue. I guess the Roman one I did was kind of slick, too. Um, ben Rothwell, 38 and 13. 28 knockouts, six submissions. I don't really think of him as a knockout guy, but he's got 28 knockouts, which is, I guess I um, have to do better thinking with my brain. Um, he's He made his UFC, uh, not his UFC debut, his MMA debut, January of 20, 2001. Um, were you watching MMA in January 2001? No, because yeah. I would have been 10. I would have been 10, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, – I think you did the math around there. 2001, you were 10? Or 11. Just turned 11 in 2001. Yeah, or, oh, okay, January. All right. In, fine. In, in, what? I, I in thought – you You're in, 90? In August, I would have turned – in 2001? Uh, uh, 1989. 1989. Yeah, yeah. See, Dan does not – okay, yeah. 11, almost 12. All right? God sakes, Dan. What, what would you have been watching uh, instead baseball. of MMA? Yeah, baseball. Let us know. Yeah. Baseball. Atlanta yeah. Braves yeah, baseball, correct? Jones. It was all Chipper Jones all the time. Chipper Jones found his rookie card in a box of stuff I had the other day. So uh, maybe I can um, rip Dan off and, and make him uh, pay exorbitant <laughs> prices for it. So th- this was um, this was our typical um, us going off into a tangent of uh, that has nothing to do with Ben Rothwell. So anyhow, Ben Rothwell, um, he's been around for 20 years, uh, more than 20 years now. He's uh, in the UFC. He's eight and seven. He's fought in a billion other promotions before the UFC. He lost his last fight. He's only won two of his last six. Uh, he's seven inches taller. A big surprise. He's fighting the guy who's 5'9". Uh, he's got four inches of reach. He, according to my records, is a chunky guy as well. Different kind of chunky, though. This is more like loose, <laughs> chunky. Barnett's more like just like if you, if you know who the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, is, he, uh, he's more 
thick <laughs> junkie, like more uh, Derek Lewis type junkie. Um, Rothwell's minus now that I broke down bodies. Uh, Rothwell minus three twenty five. Um, I'm going to take Rothwell. I'm not sure if Dan's going to go with Barnett here. I know he's a I, fan, got, but can I've you really got take a him? whole bunch of things to say? First of all, loose chunky, loose chunky right. is maybe the worst <laughs> insult I've ever heard in my whole life. You're not. No, I don't mean it as an insult. I'm just loose, loose loose chunky. There's your there's your episode name right there, loose chunky. Loose chunky, that's Um, true. But it makes sense, correct? Is it not a a little? I I think it's flabby. I think flabby is the right one for me. I I won't ever. Yeah, I won't ever call anybody loose chunky in my whole life. (laughs) You'll see like a chunky chunky guy at the gym. You're like, okay, that guy's mega strong. I can tell that guy's super strong, even though he's like got a gut. And then there's yeah. guys who are loose. Also, I, while, while we were doing this, I looked up Chris Barnett's uh, previous weigh-ins at uh, Inoki Bumbaye yeah. 2015, which is a yeah, – That's right. He's yeah. not there, which was fine. Yeah, I those events are awesome. So he fought an open weight fight then and weighed in at 333 pounds. Um, that's fine. I'm 6'6", six, six, and I don't, I don't think I – I don't know if I could get yeah. myself that high. And I'm I'm like uh, nine yeah. inches taller so than him. It, like, we're, we're, I – Eating like a pig, I don't think so I can get that So we're talking about a big dude here, guys. So, so for those of you who have never yes. seen him before, he's enormous. He's such a big dude. And the best part about watching him, he moves like like a very nimble lightweight maybe. Like it, he spins. He's got like spinning back kicks. He's got he's got the taekwondo of Dennis Seaver, only at a much larger weight class, which is it's really, truly incredible to watch. Obviously, the odds come out here because, first of all, he's he's got such a reach disadvantage here, right? Like at 5'9 versus a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", he's going to be at a disadvantage. But also, I'm going to pick him anyway. Uh, And the reason I'm going to pick him anyway is because (laughs) I think those leg kicks and I think those spinning attacks are going to be enough to slow down Ben Rothwell. And like you said, I don't think of Ben Rothwell as a knockout guy anymore. And I also think that if he chooses to mix it up with a – you know, a Taekwondo black belt here, I don't think it's going to go well. So uh, if he gets close enough to Barnett, he might tag him. But even if he doesn't, I think we might see like a liver kick or a spinning back kick to the gut or just beating the hell out of Rothwell's legs until he's immobile. Uh, So especially at a 240 number in a heavyweight fight, I'm going to like a guy who who I'm going to give a punching chance to at plus 240 at heavyweight. Did you know he fought Isaac Camara in 2019? I, I did not know that. Uh, I, I do. <laughs> I think we got to find video of that. See, like, like, I was looking back at his, the list of people he fought, and, and it's so good. Like, he, he yeah. holds a win over Walt Harris, um, you know, which, first of all, is just amazing for a guy who who's kind of seen as a journeyman to do that. Uh, he beat Kenny Gardner, who people might not know, but was like a big name back then. Um, uh, Ollie Thompson, you know, like uh, Alex Nicholson. Like, he, there's so many fun names on his resume that I would like to see him against in grappling matches and kickboxing matches. And, like, there's not tons of film on him, but the film you will see is great. And I think... If he goes out there and beats Rothwell, I bet you he's got a huge fan club the next morning. Yeah, this uh, this could be fun. I, I I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna be upset if I lose this uh, lose this this pick. So he seems like a fun fun dude. Uh, which brings us to we're having so much fun. It's uh, 
We're not even through the prelims yet. Brings us to our prelim headliner, Bantamweights, Ricardo Ramos versus Bill Algio, uh, Senior Perfecto. Um, oh, and also, um, Beast Boy Chris Barnett, his other nickname is Huggy Bear, just in case that <laughs> makes anyone want to, want to pick him or not pick him. So let's go with Ricardo Ramos first. He's 14 and three with three knockouts, seven submissions. Um, two of his three losses are via knockout. He's five and two in the UFC. He won his last fight via TKO. He is two and one over his last three. Six years younger than Senior Perfecto. Uh, grappling stats in his favor. He's at plus one hundred. Um, Bill Algio. Um, I don't know how he's Perfecto if he's fourteen and five. A time for a new name, dude. Dude. Uh, he's fourteen and five with three knockouts, six submissions, two submission losses on his record, which is of note because half of Ramos's um, wins have come via submission. Uh, Algio is one one in the UFC. He won his last fight after dropping his debut. He was zero and one on the Contender Series, one and zero in World Series of Fighting. He's got three inches of height, one inch of reach on Ramos, and he's twice uh, more active landing, landing strikes, minus 125. I think I'm going to go with a dog here and, and take a Ramos at uh, well, I'm going to enjoy picking against you again here, because I love, I love yeah. Senior Perfecto. Uh, I actually... Uh, I think his, I remember that. His loss in the UFC actually did far more for me than his win. Um, some of you might not remember, he took a short-notice fight against Ricardo Lamas. Um, I think it was two days' notice, and he went in and had, like, a 15-minute brawl and just showed, like, he's, like, legitimately right. the toughest dude on the planet. You know, you mentioned his loss in the Contender Series. It's to Brendan. I'm going to slaughter this dude's last name because it's the hardest one to say. Oh, good. Lornen, um, he, who's like clearly going to win PFL this year, in my opinion, like he's the best guy in PFL. The UFC yeah. made a mistake, not hiring him after he beat Bill Algio, uh, and then hired Bill Algio anyway, later down the road, because he's damn good. Um, and was willing to take a short notice fight with Ricardo Lamas. So I- I'm a big fan of Algio's toughness. You know, you mentioned he's got better output. I'm a big fan of that as well. But the thing I also like about this fight is this is another one where I'm, like, fading Ricardo Ramos. I I actually am pretty low on Ricardo Ramos as a fighter. A lot of people remember, you know, his big knockout of Ayn Zahabi as being his moment where he he kind of punched his ticket to being popular. And he got beat in that fight for, like, a solid, like, 12 or 13 minutes before he landed his spinning back elbow. He, he bounces back in his next fight and wins a split decision that I thought he lost. And then he gets kicked to the body and knocked out by Sednur Magomedov. Really, he was a couple of minutes away from being like 0-3 in the UFC and probably not getting another chance. And since then, he's beaten Journey Newsom and Eduardo Garagori, which, like, I mean, like, nothing there looks all that great to me. I actually think he's heavily overrated, and I picked against him last time with the uh, Murphy, and, and I'm going to pick him against him here with, with Algio because I think he's just so tough that there's no way Ramos is going to, to knock him out. And in addition to that, I just think he's got that, like, tough guyness that there's no way. There's no way Ramos comes out with a decision here with the output that Algio has. Okay, there's lots of okay, – I've got to remember all my points um, from from there. First of all, I believe it's called – it's pronounced Hakata Hamos. Ricardo Hamos. Uh, first of all, um, American butchering his name. Second of all, uh, people with your bingo cards, Dan, um, revising history. You can mark <laughs> off that. Um, think of that one because Dan's always changing people's records. So um, somehow Hamos has uh, lost three straight fights in Dan's world. Um, and I, I think he said tough 
guideness, a tough guide. Something you said something funny about Ozzy, and I can't remember what it was, but it was good. Uh, well, we'll have to rewind and listen to that after, but it was good. But um, probably not as good as loose chunky, but it was still loose, still all right, y'all. All right, so we every time you say it, it's funny. <laughs> here we go. Dan's gonna Dan's gonna giggle when I when he sees this episode posted. Then, all right. Um, so we differed on the last two. We um, after starting off on the same page. So good. That'll make the prelims more interesting. All right. I'll let's, let me tell you about our last two sponsors, and we'll give you our trademark ad-free main card uh, breakdown. So first, Underdog Fantasy. Uh, if you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, it's a good idea to go and check out their fantasy best ball tournaments. There's some of the best around. That includes their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament, where you can win a million dollars. Plus, you can play a number of games involving parlaying play- player props. Parlaying player props for MLB, the NBA, and more. They also have a special NBA playoffs best ball tournament coming up as well. So go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN. And don't forget to enter the Basketball Media 2 tournament for your chance to win a million dollars. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And I have a writer working on a NBA playoffs basketball article for the website very shortly. So probably be go up Thursday or Friday on sportsgamingpodcast.com. So check that out if you're interested in getting in on the Underdog Fantasy NBA playoff basketball thingamajig. And we are also brought to you by Odds Jam. If you're a sharp better, you need to sign up with Odds Jam. Odds Jam does your line shopping for you, finding the best prices on all bets, including player props. Odds Jam even provides arbitrage opportunities where you can bet on both sides of the line at two different shops to guarantee a profit. Odds Jam also tailors itself to whatever betting market you're currently in. Dominate the marketplace with Odds Jam. Sign up at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Odds Jam and use promo code SGP for 5% off. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash ozjam promo code SGP for 5% off. Okay. Main card. This fight, uh, we're going to start thinking off a middleweight fight. Um, very good fight that was moved from the pay-per-view up to this week because of that darn COVID thing. That would be middleweights, Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian or Shabazian, however you want to say it. Uh, Shabazian, he's 11-1 and one with nine knockouts, one submission. He got knocked out his last fight. I believe that was Derek Brunson, correct? Yeah, it, was De- it was Derek Brunson after okay. Derek Brunson pretty much ragdolled him and did whatever he wanted to him for the right. entire fight. <laughs> yes, Derek Brunson, Derek Brunson, him for sure. Um, he is 4-1 and one in the UFC. That was his only pro uh, loss, his last fight. He had 11 straight wins before that. He's a protege of Ronda Rousey. I think she's his agent, I think, or I think, manager I think or something Mar- like that. Uh, isn't uh, Edmund, uh, Ronda's coach, is yes. his agent, I think. And he used to... I think okay, he used yeah. to, uh, if you look at back at like all the open workouts for Ronda Rousey versus right. uh, Liz Carmouche, he's like the throwing dummy for Ronda Rousey in those. Right, yeah, because he is just a kid still. How old is he? He's like, uh, he's yeah, he 23, like, he like, so yeah, he was, yeah, he was just like 15 a... at that time or something like that. Right, yeah. All right, so uh, like I said, 4 1 in the UFC. He got into the big show off the Contender Series, he won his fight there. He's got an inch on Hermanson, nine years younger, plus 128. Hermanson's 21-6, 11 knockouts, six submissions, 8-4 and four in the UFC. He's gone on a bit of a skid recently, lost his last fight. He's only won one of his last three. Um, before the UFC, he was 7-0 in Cage Warriors over in uh, the UK. He was their middleweight champion. He also was in Bellator. He went 0-2. Um, interesting stat I got from... MMA by the numbers, I believe, uh, is the website and a podcast. 
he is seven and two when he lands at least one takedown in a fight, and he finished five of those seven wins, I believe. Um, so if, when he lands a takeout takedown, he tends to win, and he very often finishes this guy. He's got three inches of reach on Shabazian. He's got striking uh, stats in his favor. He also lands more strikes than Shabazian. He's minus 160. Uh, I'm going to go against my numbers, which say younger fighter wins 61% of the time. I'm going to go with Hermanson. I think his grappling's going to going to get it done here. I'll take him at minus 160. And I say, I have a sneaky suspicion. I am going to go against, against you with this one. I like Shabazian. Oh, wow. I, like I know you so well, man. Here. Uh, and part of the reason I like Shabazian is, well, first of all, I think what we've seen so far out of Shabazian is kind of an unknown. Um, if you look at his wins, he doesn't have a signature win. Um, his best win is over Brad Tavares. But at the same time, his, you know, his only loss is to Derek Brunson, who, you know, I sneakily think is probably like a top three or four middleweight. So, you know, I don't think we've learned very much about Edmund Shabazian. But the one thing I will say is that his wrestling and wrestling prowess is, is actually pretty good. Um, you know, you can look back at his contender series win where he won by ground and pound. You can look at what he did to Jack Marshman, who granted is not a great grappler. You can look at, you know, what he did to Charles Bird, which is, you know, light him up with punches as he pushes him against the cage. I, I think he's got the grappling here to either stay away from Hermanson or stay alive. Also, like, I'm not really sold on Jack Hermanson's ability to take the, the fight to the ground. Like, if you look at a lot of those recent wins that he got via grappling, like, Calvin Gastelum was on top in that exchange, right, when he got his heel taken. Um, you, you know, Dave Brandt shot the takedown that got him guillotined. Gerald Mearshart shot the takedown that got him guillotined. So, like, yeah, he, he's definitely got grappling chops and good submissions, but I think to some extent, somebody's got to take it there for him sometimes uh, in order for him to get any sustained time on the ground. So I actually, in this case, like Shabazian. I think Shabazian probably is able to control and up the positions. And I also like the fact that Shabazian has knockout power too, which I, I don't typically think of Hermanson as a guy who's got that either. 11 knockouts out of 21 women, so... I, the numbers differer, but, but yeah. But like, I, but like I think of the guys that. he's knocked out too. So like, again, no offense to any of the names I'm about to mention, but like, you know, like <laughs> he, he last picked up a knockout over Tiale's ladies, but that was ground and pound. Uh, he beat Brad Scott again, ground and pound, not not a K, like a pure puncher's KO. Beat Alex Nicholson again, ground and pound. So the last time he's like knocked somebody out standing up was 2016 in, at Cage Warriors 75 against a, a guy named Alan Carlos, who's now 13-9. and nine. So, like, yeah, he does have TKO wins, and he does have KO wins, but, like, the KO wins are, like, way back in the regional scene. The TKO wins, again, require him to be on top, and I just don't know that that's possible against Shabazian. No, I, I, um, I'm going to stick with Hermanson, but Shabazian for plus money, I think, is, is, is a good play also. So um, wouldn't be surprised if that one comes through. Um, flyweights, David Dvorak, the aforementioned David Dvorak uh, versus Rolian Pava. Pava? 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 I think it's Pava because there's a regional Massachusetts fighter uh, who's Portuguese, or rather he just retired, named Dennis Sweetbread Paiva. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's spelled the same way. <laughs> I and I always when I'm writing, I'm always spelling it Pavia. I always have the I after the V, so it's it's uh, annoying. And I always have Hermanson spelled wrong too. I always get two N's instead of two S's. So anyhow, 
Th- thought I'd throw that out there, everyone, to, so you know what kind of struggles I go through while I bring you all that sweet, sweet content on the web. All right, let's break down this flyweight bout. Um, we'll go with the Pava Piva. Piva? Puva? Uh, 20 and 3, four knockouts, three submissions, two and two in the UFC. Dropped his first two, won his last two. Uh, he missed weight his last fight. I think he's had issues missing weight a lot. Is he not? Is this the guy I'm thinking of, or am I, I thinking of someone else? I'm pretty certain you're correct. Maybe not I, him. I, I can put the intern okay. on it while you finish up. Yeah, all right, fine. Anyhow, uh, he, at least last fight he missed weight. I think he may have missed weight for some other fights also. Um, I'm also thinking of Norma Dumont, who's the next fight. So that <laughs> might be where I'm, I'm getting mistaken. So. Anywho, um, we got a lot of people who missed weight on this card. So he missed weight his last fight. He's 1-0 in the Contender Series. He's three inches taller, one inch of reach, three years younger, grappling stats in his favor, plus 128. Dvorak, 19-3, eight knockouts, seven submissions, so very good finisher for a flyweight. 2-0 in the UFC. He's won 15 straight fights. Um, his last loss is 20 and 2012. Um, I won't ask Dan how old he was then because that was a struggle <laughs> trying to get him to figure out how old he was. And 2012 is just some more years added on to that. So um, striking stats in his favor, minus 160. I am going chalk again. It's boring, but I'm going to take chalk here. Yeah, Dvorak's I, I think Dvorak's the pick, and I think it's pretty easy too because for the people who have been able to – control Paiva and fight the fight that they want to fight. It seems like they haven't had all that much trouble with him. Um, And Dvorak, I think he's kind of underrated in how good he is at controlling the fight because, you know, like you said, on the regional circuit, he had lots of KOs and he looked good finishing people. Since he's come to the UFC, he did control Bruno Silva, who we talked about earlier, which was pretty impressive. And then he did the same to Jordan Espinoza, who's a guy who... While he just got, you know, kind of beat up by Tim Elliott and then fired and he got all kinds of mean stuff yelled in his face, uh, he is a guy who has a wrestling background. So for Dvorak to have done that to two different guys, I think he'll do it to Paiva here. And, yeah, I like the chalk pick as well. All right. Um, moving on, I just mentioned Norma Dumont. This uh, women's featherweight belt, Felicia Spencer, Norma Dumont. Um Dumont, despite this being like the heaviest weight class they have in women's fighting, at least in the UFC, she misses weight a lot. She's even had fights canceled because she's she misses misses weight. Um, she's five and one as a pro with two submission wins, no knockouts. She lost her last fight via knockout. She's one and one in the UFC. Uh, this she's taking this fight on short notice, so there's there's a lot of negatives here. Uh, she's an inch taller. There's a buzzing for you. Um, Striking stats in her favor. She lands more strikes. Grappling stats also in her favor. She's plus 130. Felicia Spencer um, is a Canadian, so you never know how technically, even though like she basically grew up in Florida. She's one of those one of those Canadians, but still, we'll see if I fade the Canadian again or not. Eight and two. Two knockouts, four submissions. She's never been finished in the fight. She's super tough. Um, two and two in the UFC, but her losses were to basically the two greatest women's female fighters of all time, Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg. Um, she lost her last fight. That was Cyborg, or was that Nunes? Nunes. Dan calls her Nunes. I call her Nunes. Um, so she swapped wins and lost back and forth. So basically, she gets, I don't want to say a can, but she gets an, an easier fight. She wins that, and then they throw in with a killer and a savage. And she loses that, and then they give her an easy fight. She wins that, and then they throw in her with a killer, and she loses that. Um, before all this, she was the Invicta featherweight champion where she went 6-0 and in that promotion. She's got an inch of reach, minus 165. I'm going Canada here. 
because it's a fake Canadian. So I'll take I'll take my uh, country wo- country woman at minus one sixty five. Uh, I think she's too much for Demont, especially. Yes, in I'm going to take Demont. Yeah. Oh, I mean, really? I, I saw a lot of people being like, it's wild that Spencer's not a bigger favorite. And, and I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of want Dumont to be a bigger underdog because I, I sneakily like her here because if you look at Spencer, the, the thing that Spencer does really well, and, and she does it exceptionally well, is she grapples really well, right? She, she's an exceptional grappler. She's very, very good when she gets to the ground. We, we saw her do that to Zara Farain and Megan Anderson. And, and granted, she did it in in Invicta against Pam Sorison, who who's probably – that's probably a more impressive win than the two I just mentioned in the UFC in terms of being able to outgrapple them. But the thing about Norma Dumont is she's so much bigger than, than Felicia Spencer. Like, Felicia Spencer being – five six and, and not like a big muscly five six she's she's like you know norma dumont is like a very physically strong and, and we saw her when she fought megan anderson who who did granted eventually knock her out with the hands she put megan anderson up against the cage and was like all over her before they eventually broke apart and she got tagged i don't think felicia spencer is going to tag her and I actually think Dumont's got the better striking on the feet as long as she can keep it there. So uh, I, I'm going to go with Norma Dumont here as, as one more underdog. And I'm going to say I'm, I'm not super confident in it, but I do like that she's going to get to be up at at featherweight and not have to miss Bantamweight again. Uh, I, I think that this is – man, it's, it's never the right move to go to women's featherweight. But, like, I'm at least glad that she's not going to probably brutally miss weight by, like, five pounds. You'd hope not, but we shall see. Um, on to some more chunky guys. Um, Vera Jandera, uh, Vandera, Jandera. Vera Jandera, we'll call him. Uh, Jared Vandera, have we, he's chunky, right? He's one of those loose chunky he, kind, he, right? I can't even say loose chunky without laughing. <laughs> sure, yeah, he's loose chunky. <laughs> and Justin Toffa, according to my records, is chunky also. Um, he's like Mark, he's like Mark Hunt. there. Yes, he, he's got the tattoo, and he's um, he's from the same part of the world. So there you go. Um, Vandera, I believe, is a friend of the Top Turtle MMA podcast. I think I heard yeah, him on Vandera there, right? Yeah, Vandera has been on there before, yep. Yeah. Vandera, right, yeah. He has some interesting things to say. Um, he's 11-5, seven knockouts, three submissions, so he is a finisher. Only one of his wins went to the decision. Um, he's only got one knockout loss also on his record, which is pretty impressive for a heavyweight. He's 0-1 in the UFC, and that was via TKO, his loss. 1-0 in the Contender Series. He's 4 inches taller, 6 inches of reach. Grappling stats are in his favor, but we're talking only a couple fights uh, for him with those stats. Plus 155, Justin Toffa, 4 knockouts, 2 submissions, all of his wins via knockout. Um, he's only got 1 knockout loss in his record also. He's 1-2 and two in the UFC, lost his last fight. Uh, he's chunky, it says here. Um, I actually put that in my spreadsheet. He's chunky. Uh, he's a year younger. A striking stats in his favor. Plus, he lands twice as many strikes as Vander. Vander Aw, who has two A's at the end of his name. He's at minus 195. Dan, I haven't let you pick first for some reason much tonight, so you go I'm, ahead. I'm taking I'm Justin Toffa, and I'm taking Justin Toffa all day here. Uh, I like Jared Vandera. I, I like his grappling skills. I just don't see him getting this fight to the ground ever, and he is badly outmatched on the feet, in my opinion. Um, you, you know, like yeah. on the ground, could he finish Tafa? Sure, but like his takedown isn't great. Um, you know, like I, I think what I saw him on Contender Series, like 
he actually looked like he was getting the worst end of the ground game for a little while. Spivak definitely gave him the business on, on the ground. Um, so, like, you know, man, I, I, I like, like I said, I like Jared Vandera, but just like he's going to get pieced up on the feet by a far superior kickboxer here in Justin Tafa. Yep, Tafa is the pick. Agreed. All right, co-main event, women's strawweight. Uh, Carla Esparza versus... Oh, Yan Xiaonan. <laughs> there you go. Dan loves, love how he says the name, Yan Xiaonan. Um, it flows off his tongue, so I always let him say it. Um, they are fighting, like I said, women's featherweight, uh, co-main event. Um, we'll go with Carla Esparza, the cookie monster, first. She's 17 and 6, three knockouts, four submissions, eight and four in the UFC. Uh, she's won four straight fights. She was the very first... Um, UFC strawweight champion that was back in 2014 she held the belt up to 2015 um, she won that after winning uh, the Ultimate Fighter she was 3-0 in the Ultimate Fighter house and then she won the championship on the finale uh, before all this she was also the first Invicta strawweight champion where she was 3-0 and before all that she was in Bellator where she was 0-2 um, these are some more stats from MMA by the numbers which I think is run by Aiden guys so you definitely should check it out um, she has the most takedowns in women's uh, his, UFC history, which is very, very impressive. And she has the fifth most control time of any fighter um, in, I believe, of any fighter in, uh, I don't think I was just female. I think I was any fighter. She's got the fifth most control time while after she gets the fighter down. So it's not just, they're not just popping right back up after she takes them down. Uh, she's at plus 100, so even money for her. Um, and her opponent, Jan <laughs> nice. It just saves me from saying it. Uh, Thirteen and one with one no contest. Uh, five knockouts on her record. She's got one submission loss. That's her only loss as a pro. She's six and zero in the UFC. Um, yeah, I was kind of surprised to see she's fought six times already in the UFC, but she has. Uh, another stat from MMA by the numbers. She is um, she's fourth all time in significant strikes landed per fight. So that's for either gender. She's landed 96.3 significant strikes per fight. That's best for fourth all time um, in the UFC history. She's four inches taller. Got, uh, she's two years younger. Um, not surprisingly, the striking stats are in her favor, and she lands three times as many strikes as Esparza does. Minus 125. Um, I am going with the striker. That was one of my – if I go with the striker, I will go with the striker. Minus yeah, and 125. I think you're not only right in, in, like, when in doubt, go with the striker, but in this case – if you look at the types of people who have given trouble to Carla Esparza in the past, it's people who can manage distance well. Um, you know, like it's either people who can stuff or take down straight up, or people who can manage distance well. Like Michelle Watterson gave her a really hard time with her takedowns, as did Marina Rodriguez, and those are two women who do an exceptional, exceptionally good job at managing distance. And, yeah, Carlos Sparza came away with split decisions in both of those, which I guess is good for her. Um, you know, she's coming off of a majority, a split, and a split decision victory. Um, so I, I won't rewrite too much history. Otherwise, Jeff will, will freak out on me. But, like, but like, I'm waiting for it. She's really 0-3 over I, her. And I can't, even, I can't even remember whether or not I scored those fights for her or not. But, like, she, she has trouble with people who maintain good distance. Yan Xiaonan does a great job at cutting angles and keeping distance and pouring strikes on you. Like, it seems like she's a nightmare matchup for, for Esparza. That being said, Esparza could totally come in here and just hit a couple of big takedowns and then everything looks stupid. Uh, but with that being said, I think the probability of that is lower, and I'm going to go with Xiaonan. 
So who's our ya- pick, Yan Shaonan? Uh, also, I'm going to say this. Uh, there you go. If you're picking Yan Shaonan in any fight, please, for the love of God, pick her by decision. Because I think she's been in the UFC for six fights, and she has six decision victories. Yeah. So, like, it, it is go. that is the easiest prop out there. The last time uh, one of her fights did not go to decision uh, was because of a clash of heads, uh, and then they just stopped the fight then. Um, so, like, it's it's going to go the distance. There you go. There's a, a juicy prop for you. All right, brings us to our main event. Um, Bantamweights, five rounds. Rob Font versus Cody No Love Garbrandt, the former champ. Um, we will go with Garbrandt. He's 12 and three with 10 knockouts, so it's very impressive for a light, uh, lighter weight class guy. All three of his losses have come via knockouts when he was fighting very stupid and got himself knocked out. Um, he's seven and three in the UFC. He was the Bantamweight champ 2016-17. He won via knockout his last fight. He lost three before that, all via knockout. Um, another MMA by the numbers stat I got. Um, he is one of only three men in UFC history to average at least one knockdown per fight. He's knocked down um, 10. He's got 10 knockdowns in 10 UFC fights. So it's very impressive for a, uh, a light or lighter weight guy. He's four years younger than Font. He's at minus 105. Rob Font, who's from Dan's neck of the woods, um, 18-4, eight knockouts, four submissions. He's got one submission loss um, on his record that will not make a difference here. He's never been knocked out. 8-3 um, in the UFC. He's won three straight, four or five. He's got six inches of reach. He's the more active striker of the two. Um, grappling stats in his favor, minus 120. Um, yeah, I just I have no love for <laughs> Cody Garbrandt. Well um, he, he, he just well fights played. really dumb. I, yes, I, I don't think I don't think Font Font's not really a knockout guy, but I, I still think he's he's winning this fight. Um, yeah, over well, the Garbrandt. thing for me here is that so you know you mentioned he's not a big knockout guy. Who's the last guy who knocked out Cody Garbrandt? It was Pedro Munoz. He's not a big knockout guy either. Yes, that's true. The problem with with Cody Garbrandt and what you will see to con- continue to be his problem is he's a good technical fighter for about thirty five seconds, and then he's not. Um, like, granted, there is the fight with Dominic Cruz we can point to where he sort of bucked that trend, but but that's not the norm for him, right? Like, he, he fights very smart for 35 minutes until somebody reminds him he's in a fist fight, and he goes in swinging blindly. And wa- I mean, that knockout of Hefael Sunsau was crazy telegraphed, right? Like, he, he brought his hand all the way back literally to his hands and swung with his whole body, and it just happened to land, like... It's great knockout. It's a, a wonderful highlight, but like it's it is definitely telegraphed and a little bit sloppy. He's fighting a guy who who boxes pretty technically in Rob Font, right? Like we we just watched him do some pretty mean things to Marlon Marias. You know he he looked good against Ricky Simon, which is not easy to do, and like he looks like he's progressing at the right time here too. So. For me, I think Rob Font, whether he's a knockout artist or not, is just smart enough to stay away from the big, heavy stuff that Cody Garbrandt swings and and then punishes him for, for throwing those punches in the first place. So, yeah, I, I like Rob Font in this fight, too. Um, you know, it, it kind of feels weird to, to think that this fight is even money coming in with a former title holder uh, in, in Cody Garbrandt, but even then I still can't bring myself to pick yeah. him. No. No, he's he's just too too dumb a fighter to 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 put it to put it bluntly. Sorry, uh, no love, but that's just the way I sees it. So 
All right, well, we talked about a prop already. Um, who was that oh, again, Dan? Took, uh, Yan Xiaonan by decision, which, by the way, I, I'm not <laughs> sure what the, the odds are on that, but I'm sure you're not getting much better than her yeah. actual odds because, like, I'm, I no, mean, like, her not. by finish. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Yan Xiaonan by KO is plus 800. Yan Xiaonan by submission <laughs> is plus 1,000. Um, yeah, so wow. I, I like I mean, Yan Xiaonan by decision is just, like, a little bit over plus 100. So, like, you, you, you're going to get her into the plus money, which is, I guess, nice. Yep. All right. Any other yeah, props I, I mentioned you like? Justin Taffa should win that fight by knockout. Right. If you right. do, again, this is another one that the it is the most likely outcome, but you can take his, what did you, whatever you said his number was, negative 170, negative 180 or whatever. Inter- yeah, 195. 195, even bigger. You can turn that into yeah. a plus 100. Um, so you, you, you can get even money okay. on him with a KO. So if you like him to win in here, you want to make it a little, like I said, a little bit juicier. I think the easiest way to do it is, is to just take him by KO here. Yep. All right. Um, we both lost on our locks last week, sadly. Um, it, I think it's it my is, turn to go first, I think. Is that right? First, yeah. All right, it's uh, I'm having trouble picking one this week. Let me see who I like as a, a lock. Um, I'm gonna go with Claudio Silva minus one fifteen over Court McGee. Um, I, I like that pick. I like the, that the number's so low, also. So give yeah, me that. And one. I was debating between two. I was hoping you would pick one, and you didn't take either of them. So damn you for that. Um, I, I'm oh, gonna take okay. Senior Perfecto, uh, Bill Algio over Ricardo. Oh. I, I like I said before, I like his toughness here. I, I think he's able to hang in there with Ricardo Hamosh. Um, and then just for a, a quick little teaser, the other one I was thinking about, but the number is quite a bit higher, was Justin Tapa, you know, the one I mentioned before as a prop. Okay, so the locks are Claudio Silva for me at minus 115 over Court McGee and Senior Perfecto Bill Algio minus 125 over Ricardo Hamos for Dan, and he also likes Justin Tapa, correct? That Yeah, that, that just about does it. All right. Um, your homework. Obviously, watch the fights. Um, you can uh, watch the fights with us on Twitter if you like. Usually, we're we're on there uh, bantering back and forth while the fights are on. I would be at Jeff Fox Writer. He would be at Gumby Vreeland. Um, what else should you do? Listen to Prelim Pickers, um, Dan's other podcast, because I heard his guest this week is the greatest guest he's ever had. And how long have you been doing that show, Prelim Picker? Uh, I think over a year now, a year and a half. Uh, and how long have you known me? Uh, I've known you for 11 years, 10 or 11 years. Oh, okay. How many times have I been on Prelim Picker? Um, is it zero? I know yeah. you've been on Top Turtle zero twice or point, three times. Zero point zero. <laughs> is that a, is, was that an Animal House reference? <laughs> it was. Yes. <laughs> but anywho, um, maybe maybe I'll break that, um, break the seal on it this week. We'll have to wait and see. So um, and make sure you listen to Top Turtle where he has, it just popped up in my feed today, and I, Chris Giagos, he has as a guest, and he has someone from this card, I think, and I can't remember who. Who's Nancy, your other guest? Nancy Medeiros, right? Oh, and I you did, picked against him. I picked against him. Don't tell him. Whoa. <laughs> Dan does not usually do that, so. Um, what else should you do? Oh, you should read our stuff on sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and you should go to mma-manifesto.com, and you should... Enter the Pick'em Contest and read all the good stuff there. Um, Dan will have his um, 
his uh, what do you do again? A um, prelim superstar <laughs> breakout article star. every week. Yeah. Breakout star. You've only done it for like a decade. I can't remember what it's called because he hasn't done it yet this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> a little behind the ball. <laughs> he, he's, that's all right. Um, and he does a live his dog pick and all that stuff. So anyhow, check out that website. Check out our Twitter. Subscribe to our podcast, right? Um, our MMA gambling podcast feed. I think that's it. Um, and as usual, Dan's going to take us out uh, like he always does, right? Yeah, because I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He's Jack Socks. We'll <laughs> catch me. you next week. <laughs> bye bye.